the Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and here with video on YouTube, uh, where you can feel free to comment away. uh, Or, of course, you can uh, check us out at sensiblyspeaking.com, the website that uh, hosts this podcast, and leave comments there. uh, And check out the wealth of information available in earlier podcasts. This week, Uh, I am very excited because uh, I have a guest on, and we are going to talk about a subject that I have had a lot of attention on, uh, actually for a number of years, ever since, uh, actually back to when I was still in Scientology, all the way, going all the way back to 2009 or 10, I think, which is the subject of vaccinations and the anti-vax movement. Uh, This has, you know, gained various degrees of traction over the years because of factors like Jenny McCarthy and celebrity endorsements and uh, bad pseudoscience being positioned as real science. And and also, of course, uh, to give, you know, uh, some, uh, we're, we know some facts where they're due, there, there are some points being made in the scientific community and by some people that, you know, some vaccinations may not have been fully properly tested or whatever. And we'll talk about that during the course of this episode, right? But it's, this is not a, in other words, this is not a black and white issue. But I want everybody to be safe out there. And I want our kids to be safe from illnesses and diseases. And there are lots of those little pesky microbes out there just waiting to tear into our bodies and and, and destroy us. And so, uh, you know, we need to take effective countermeasures. So this week I have Karen Ernst, who is the executive director of Voices for Vaccines, uh, which is a Minneapolis-based group. uh, And she does a podcast herself called Vax Talk. I thought this would be a great person to have on board for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that uh, this is not just a movement of, uh, you know, uh, uneducated citizens talking, you know, out their ass or whatever about vaccines. This is uh, a group that has a uh, scientific advisory board with a number of doctors uh, on, on board there. And it's a parent-led organization. And the way they describe themselves is that they support and advocate for on-time vaccination and the reduction of vaccine-preventable disease. So, Karen, welcome to my show. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here with you. I'm just honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. So, uh, so okay, great. Well, well, I should really... stop you, too, because we got connected through our wonderful friend, Martine, who deserves all of the appreciation in the world. Yes, of course. Okay, good. Thank you, Martine. Uh, okay, so first off, let's, uh, let's start from the ground up here. What does your nonprofit organization do? So we have a number of different facets. And what we do is we try to help people raise immunization rates in their own communities. So we do that by, um, you know, sometimes we have actual groups of parents locally who do what I call vaccine positive messaging. So that's basically just, I'm vaccinated, 
vaccines are working well for us. We're a vaccinated community. Our community values vaccinations and period. They don't have to debunk. They don't have to do the work that doctors and public health people do. They just sort of stand in the I'm, I'm a person who vaccinates and, and you can too sort of thing. Um, sort of a social norming movement where I always liken that to littering. If you live in a community where there's a lot of littering, you're probably likely to just throw that candy wrapper on the ground. If you live in a community where people pick up, you're probably not going to throw that uh, wrapper on the ground. So just sort of showing people that people or showing people that their community members do vaccinate. Um, but then we also have online ways for people who just want to do you know, their little bits. So we have all sorts of toolkits, uh, toolkits about making sure the media isn't engaged in false balance. Um, toolkits about talking to a friend who might be vaccine hesitant, um, a, a number of different toolkits like that. We have a blog where uh, we invite parents and other people to write their first person narratives about why vaccines are important to them. I think our, our still our most popular blog post is one by a woman in the UK called Growing Up Unvaccinated, where she talks about how she wasn't vaccinated growing up and she got really, really sick and she hated it. And so when she grew up and had her own kids, she vaccinated them. Um, very popular blog post. We have a gallery of people, again, sort of a social norming gallery we call Why I Choose. And people submit their photos and say, I vaccinate because whatever reason they vaccinate. Um, and then we have the podcast, of course. And the podcast is really talking directly to our advocates just about the latest news and information regarding vaccines. So we're multifaceted. Uh, the point is to empower people where they're at to do what they can to raise immunization rates. Awesome. Awesome. Let's um, let's dive right into this now because because um, you brought up I think an important point just then actually a number of important points, uh, but in terms of presentation and propaganda on this topic right which is rampant out there uh, you know lots of pseudoscience lots of very mm -hmm. very strange and bizarre claims being made lots of conspiracy theories being asserted. Uh, I mean, you just take a little dip and, you know, you just put your toe in the pool of this and it and it and you and the crazy just starts rubbing off on you. Um, yes. You know, and that's a that's a technical term crazy. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> what what is the situation with vaccines? I mean, how how large is this movement against them? And what what are these? What are is there anything sensible that they're saying or is it all just kind of fear mongering? What what are what are we fighting against here? Did I lose oh, you for a second? I, now, I, now you're now you're moving. Oh, okay. Yeah, we froze. That's okay. Okay. Well, so, I got my question in. So, right. uh, did How you hear the whole the thing? Movement? Yeah. Well, oh. I heard enough. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's actually a very small movement. People are always surprised to hear that it's very small. Ninety-nine percent of kids in this country are vaccinated. Ninety-five percent of kids in this country are fully vaccinated. So that's really the vast majority of people are vaccinated. The anti-vaccine movement is has some advantages over all of those people who vaccinate. First of all, one of their main things in life is being anti-vaccine, right? Okay. So they're they're driven by it. Everything they do is to push out that agenda. There's even a political party, the Canary Party, that's solely based on not wanting to vaccinate. So really? we don't have 
pro-vaccine political party. <laughs> pro the, the Canary coming. Party? The, the Canary Seriously? Party. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Is that is, is that some relation to a canary in a coal mine or something? Is that the idea? Yes. Because it's supposed to be about how their kids who are vaccine damaged are the canaries in the coal mine. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I get it. Um, which... By the way, that's based in Minneapolis too. So, wow, <laughs> have you guys had like head on head to head like confrontations there? We've been in the same room a few times. Um, okay. They, I mean, we always joke because they kind of look at us like maybe we're evil, maybe we're gonna do something. Um, and you know, if they approached me and wanted to talk, I I would talk. Um, I'd probably be uncomfortable, but I would talk. So uh, not confrontations, but we've been in the same room for hearings and other things like that. Uh, okay. Where we've been on opposite sides, obviously. Um, but the, the other thing that they have going, of course, is how, how passionate they are, which part of that p passion is to mobilize and to get organized. Thus, they have a political party. They have, you know, state level organizations. They have national organizations. They have all sorts of stuff. Um, that, you know, pro-vaccine people just aren't that built up. And also, uh, for most parents, they take their kids in, they get their kids vaccinated, they're fine with that, they leave, and then they've got, you know, life. They have work, they've got other issues they're really, you know, focused on, you know, important things like maybe they're focused on climate change or they're focused on, you know, debunking other pseudoscience. Um, they're, they've got all sorts of sporting events to attend with their kiddos. They've got school to worry about. They've got, you know, a house to take care of. They have all sorts of things going on. Whereas with anti-vaccine people, it really, it usually just is their anti-vaccine. And so that's why it seems like the anti-vaccine movement is so big, but they're really very, very tiny. All right, I get it. That really should not surprise me, although it, it kind of does, actually, because it's been so vocal and has had such... Um, well, I don't know what kind of broad effects they've had. I was going to say, but uh, but they're they're certainly loud. I mean, they're they're just kind of like all over. And I've even been messaged by people who ha are, you know, shall we say, vaccine challenged, uh, mm -hmm. vaccine, you know, doubtful, maybe not fully, um, you know, condemnatory of all vaccines, but they make a you know very strong case that hey, there is danger here. There is there are issues here. There's problems here. And I think what's lost in translation is the fact that there are troubles and problems in every aspect of medicine. And if you dive down into, you know, the science of medicine, you're going to find a lot of question marks. And so, of course, there are going to be questionable practices, things that don't work 100% of the time. There's always exceptions to the rules uh, when you're dealing with variables in biology uh, you know, immunology, <laughs> cytology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and people don't really understand that. They sort of think that medicine is this, is this black and white issue where, it, you know, it works or it doesn't work. And it's, you know, and they're lying. Or if it doesn't work or there's some problem, well, they're lying about it or something like that. There's all these things that happen. Um, right. So I... You know, have been. I, I'm a little. I, I'm happy to hear that it's a small movement, in the same way that I think the uh, people would be surprised to uh, to find out uh, the flat Earth movement very, very tiny. 
Yeah, you although know? they're getting louder too. Isn't that weird? Yes, they are. And so people think because they're louder or they hear from it more often or there's more hits on the YouTube videos that the movement must be growing. And that's not necessarily right. true at all. You know, so it's a good, good to know that. A part of it with both of them too is sort of the effect of social media because mm -hmm. um, social media can make big world seems smaller, but it also can make a small movement seem bigger yes. because those people connect to each other. You know, they get into those um, groups on Facebook or, you know, they, they channel each other behind hashtags on Twitter and they feed off of each other. Um, and, you know, I had one mom who used to be anti-vaccine and changed her mind. And she told me a lot of it was that when her baby was born, she was really lonely and there were people there and they were so nice. And so that's kind of, you know, it's and I'm sure they are nice people, but that's sort of what happens is that social media helps you find people that you would no normally never find. Exactly. Exactly. And that is actually the point you just made is actually really important because social connections are are probably our most important connections and mm -hmm. uh, and they're certainly the ones that we that we grant the most importance to or the you know the the most value to and so uh, the opinions that we you know get into amongst our social circles and that sort of thing I think has a lot of a lot of potential power well speaking of social media and the power of the media in general is this all Jenny McCarthy's fault <laughs> I mean, oh, did that celebrity I mean, endorsement really pump up the movement, or is that where the movement really started, or was there, no, there must have been something going on before her for her to have heard about it. Well, you know, the anti-vaccine movement is as old as vaccines. Um, the first, you know, anti-vaccine movement was really uh, people fighting against compulsory vaccination against smallpox. And the first fears about the smallpox vaccine was that it was going to turn people into cows because the smallpox vaccine was derived from cowpox. So they thought if they got a smallpox vaccine, they would turn into cows. It's, a, it's an interesting parallel that wow. people now think they get their kids vaccinated and it makes them autistic. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of, it, it's, it's a parallel. People, I, I, I don't think they were totally stupid to think that that turned them into cows because they didn't understand, a, they didn't understand a lot about germ theory or, you know, biology. So it kind of makes sense. You take something from a cow, maybe I'll become a cow. Um, of course, they're eating cows, so I don't know why they thought that that wouldn't turn them into a cow. But that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> so um, there was, you know, there's there's been a couple of iterations since then, obviously. In the modern era, there was an iteration that came uh, in the 1980s. There was a fear around the DPT shot, which was at the time the shot that we gave kids to protect against diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus. Um, now we give a different shot, the DTAP, which is a, a, it's more, it's it's not quite as much antigen um, to, for a kid to combat. But there was worries about the DPT shot and there was a documentary that was on TV and a woman named Barbara Lowe Fisher who still runs the National Vaccine Information Center, which sounds like it's a good place, but it's actually anti-vaccine. Um, and so NVIC has been involved ever since the 1980s in promoting anti-vaccine 
uh, misinformation. But when you get somebody like, well, you know, let me back up. Then in 1998, of course, we had Andrew Wakefield, who published his study, um, 12-person case study about, you know, finding the measles vaccine virus in the intestines of autistic children. We find out later, of course, that the medical records were changed, that he was taking a lot of money from a lawyer, that he was basically a big fraud. And so that's been obviously retracted, but, you know, it's <laughs> people still believe in that. So it's from there that Jenny McCarthy has a child. He's autistic. She's searching for answers. She comes, she falls into this already existing anti-vaccine movement. But what she has is she has a really big platform. Right. And so I think that the celebrity angle of it really did do some harm. Her infamous appearance on Oprah where she said, you know, my child got a vaccine and then his soul left his eyes, which is so insulting to every single person who's autistic. Um, but, you know, that that really affected people. It affected Oprah. It affected any, anyone watching Oprah, well, which Oprah, wasn't this Oprah's affected by the wind blowing. I mean, she's like the queen of <laughs> pseudoscience. You know, I, 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 I respect the power of Oprah, but I do not respect Oprah's views. She is... I mean, she gave us Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, Dr. Pseudoscience. I mean, it's just, it, it, she's really done a massive disservice to humanity uh, through some of the nonsense that she has pushed. While I'm sure that there are a number of things she's pushed that are helpful to people and are really great uh, or are nice mantras to, you know, start your day with or something, this stuff is uh, unconscionable. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, I mean, that's that's sort of where... The explosion came, and then that just, you know, dovetailed right into our certain our current social media um, atmosphere. But there are quite a few anti-vaccine celebrities now, of course, who are keep. Oh, from, yeah. oh, there's a few more now. There, I actually wrote down a list because I couldn't remember them all. Yeah, um, I'm curious about that because Jenny McCarthy sounds like the Tom Cruise of, of the anti-vax movement, you know. Yeah, I think that's, a, yeah, she's the Tom Cruise. She, that's absolutely a good uh, analogy. We've also got Rob Schneider and Selma What? Blair. Rob Schneider? Are you kidding? <laughs> that's insane. Okay, who? I'm sorry, who what was the other name? Uh, Selma Blair. Really? So, yes. Hmm. All right. And then, you know, we have quite a few um, Scientologists who are anti-vaccine. <sighs> Really, Jenna Elfman, Jenna Elfman, and Kirstie Alley, mm -hmm. uh, Juliet Lewis, and Danny Masterson were sort of the most prominent ones I could find. Yeah, so, it's obviously a church line. Uh, yeah, duh. I think duh. at one point they were sent out, like given direction of some sort. I mean, you would know better how that works than I would, but because of, all of a sudden. All of those people at once when California was changing its immunization laws to eliminate uh, non-medical non exemptions to school entry vaccine requirements, all of those people came out on Twitter and all sorts of places and were sort of repeating the same talking points. So yeah. it seemed like this seems coordinated. Yes, it would have been. If Scientology celebrities are all on the same page about something, it's absolutely coordinated through the church. No question about it. Uh, that's just too much of a coincidence to have four of them all, you know, coming out in the same time. What, when was that? 
That was when SB 277, that's the California law. So that was um, uh, this, like the late winter, early spring of 2015, I believe. It was. Oh, recently. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was right after the Disneyland outbreak. Um, and that's when California decided to look into changing their laws. A really brave senator who is also a pediatrician, Dr. Richard Pan, sort of spearheaded that effort. And, and it was a circus in a zoo, but they did it. They, they got the law passed. Wow. Wow. Well, Scientology, is, I've, I've often been asked about its political leanings, and it's, and it's really uh, diverse. It's, it's, a, it's a strange thing. They're not, they're not uh, a group that you can just go, oh, well, they're, they're, they're conservative or they're uh, liberal or they're Republican or something, because they're, they're kind of all over the place. They really depend a lot on where they get money from, where they can feel, where, the, where Scientology feels it can get uh, influence uh, but anything that generally opposes psychiatry, psychology, or organized medicine is something mm -hmm. that Scientology is going to get behind uh, because L. Ron Hubbard was uh, against the AMA and the APA. He railed against them constantly. And this is not to say that Scientologists don't go to the hospital, that they don't ever get immunized or they don't ever get treatment because they do. They, of course they do. But they uh, have a bad attitude about it. They feel mm -hmm. that medicine uh, as a whole uh, is based on unsound principles, that it's mostly in it for the money, that it uh, will push bad solutions for money is, is what I mean by that, uh, right. over, say, saving lives, right? Uh, that they're a bunch of fakes, really, or quacks. And, uh, and if you, you know, get into a hospital, you know, through some unfortunate circumstance, the best thing you can do is apply as much of Hubbard's remedies and methods to yourself as possible or get other people to assist you with that. They even call them assists, the mm -hmm. techniques they use. And uh, get out of that situation, get out of that hospital, get away from those butchers and, and you know, people, doctors, whatever, uh, as quickly as you can, right? Uh, sure because they don't really know what they're doing. And besides, uh, as far as Scientology is concerned, w these are just meat bodies anyway. So if your time is up, fine, drop the body and go get another one, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, because they believe in the reincarnation thing, right? So, sure. you know, th so your body is really just kind of another possession that you have. And if it kicks or dies or, or has issues, just get rid of it you know, and, okay. and move on. And I don't mean to make it sound quite, you know, I shouldn't make it sound quite that callous. Uh, you know, people, you know, obviously are invested in their life and their connections and their job and their relationships and all that. Uh, and that's just as true in Scientology as anywhere else. But, but again, that, but, but I'm really not overstating it too much. I mean, they really do have contempt for uh, organized medicine, you know, in almost any form. Yeah, you know, and I, I find that actually with the anti-vaccine movement, obviously a lot of them have contempt for organized medicine for all, all sorts of reasons. But also there's a little bit of that undercurrent of, well, if someone dies from one of these diseases, that's what was meant to be. You know, um, there's a a certain sect of, of Christianity that'll say, well, that that was God's plan. It was their time. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um you know, uh, that that's the natural way of going anyhow, and nature knows better than science. Um, it's, it's really, you know, you have to 
have a sort of a very different mindset to accept that because the people who are falling ill from these awful diseases and dying are often our very youngest kids. And I just don't see that as being okay to say, well, you know, six weeks old, just get rid of that body and get a new one, you know? Well, that's, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's not quite that callous, especially, right. of course, for the parents. I mean, nobody's, no parent is going to think that about their kids. Yeah, well, whatever. It, but, okay, but there's a, there's a, there's a philosophy or there's this, there's this point uh, with Scientology. And I think what you're just saying, maybe with these other folks too, of, of, of a either, well, in Scientology, what they call it is they pulled it in, mm-hmm. right? They somehow are responsible for their condition. Uh, and that was a reflection of of their spiritual self in Scientology. Whereas with these other groups you're talking about, they they might put the responsibility on God or some mm-hmm. master plan. With Scientologists, they put the responsibility on the individual. Even if it's a baby, it's still an immortal spiritual being who has lived trillions of lives in the past and will go on to live lives in the future. And maybe that person was a cold-blooded murderer in their last lifetime, and they killed people with needles or something. And so therefore, you know, whatever the weird thinking is that Scientologists are going to imagine as to why this, you know, infant would be responsible for, you know, pulling in a disease and dying they're going to they're going to dream it up because mm-hmm. it's easier for them to do that in the midst of their hubbardinian cognitive dissonance than to face the fact that they need to immunize their kid and take all the proper steps you know right yeah absolutely i think you know that th- we all have ways of trying to fit reality into our own uh, our own philosophies and our own theologies. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to look at something and say, wait, am I the person who could be wrong? Could this be, should I change what I'm like my whole life philosophy so that I can think differently about fill in the blank. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's uh, unique to any person in or out of Scientology. No, we, we all have that, 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 that potentiality of crazy thinking. Um, now, in terms of this, okay, you've been doing this. How long? How long have you been at this? Well, I have been at the helm of Voices for Vaccines. You're gonna make me do more math since 2012. Okay, which is six years. Um, and I kind of came to it. I mean, I came to it gradually, but my first awakening was in 2008 when I had a 10-day-old newborn who was exposed to chickenpox. So it was sort of a. a you know, me wildly saying, why isn't anyone doing anything about this? And then becoming the person who was doing the thing about it. <laughs> well, well, well done on stepping up, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I will say, I mean, you know, even if we rabidly disagree with these folks, I mean, at least they're, you know, making some effort at, at, at you know, trying to do something rather than just talking. Yeah. Um, you know, and the thing is, I, I always think about, would we ever want to get rid of the anti-vaccine movement? Part of me is like, well, yes, because then kids would be vaccinated. But there's also, you don't want people just accepting everything uncritically. So there has to be some amount of, we have to teach people to, you know, look at especially news headlines about health with a certain critical eye and say, hmm, do I really believe that? You know, a few years ago, there was a headline that being vaccinated protected against lymphoma. And I was like, oh, that 
doesn't seem plausible and I don't think it is and it hasn't been you know it hasn't been replicated so you know th there's all sorts of we want people to think critically we just don't want them to be conspiracy theorists or dangerous about it fair enough well on that <laughs> that gets right into my next what I was going about to ask you about which is uh, have you you know surely people have contacted you who are of a more reasonable mindset and, and rational background science background even um, who have said, well, look, you know, yeah, people should get vaccinated or yeah, vaccinations are important, but there is a problem or there are problems with some of these. Has anybody ever contacted you with, with anything that sounded fairly reasonable and rational about this and made a good case against maybe a particular vaccine that might have had issues or might not have been as well tested as it could have been or something like that? You know, I don't think anyone has made a convincing argument to me personally. I, I do know in the 1990s, there was a man named John Salomon, and his son had received a polio vaccine back in those days. Of course, we all got the, right, the sugar cubes or the drink, the oral polio vaccine. You remember yes. those? Um, yes. In a very small subset of kids that actually causes polio. So um, most kids are fine, doesn't do anything. In some kids, they actually come down with polio. His son was one of the children who came down with polio. And he successfully lobbied to get that vaccine changed, which is now why kids get the inactive, inactivated polio shot. So that, that's some of the arguments that can be made. I know doctors, uh, I always think of the French doctors without borders. I think of it in French first. I don't know why. Doctors without borders... Uh, talks a lot about pricing of vaccines and the problem with pricing of vaccines. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I know quite a few people who are pro-life and very religious who worry about that some of the vaccines were derived from um, tissue taken from aborted fetuses in the 1960s. So they come up with that. And, and I don't like dismissing that because, because it's a concern. But I think it can be addressed and that they can vaccinate their children. But I don't think it's something that we can just dismiss because they're talking about a, a real, you know, a real belief, and they certainly want to be talked into protecting their children. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I have been approached by people when every any time I've ever brought this up, and I haven't done a whole show about this subject, but I've certainly brought up conspiracy theories before, and my and my. Uh, you know, uh, railing against them. I mean, this was the this was the point that this point of vaccination was the point that drove that that was the turning point, the light bulb moment for me, uh, turning against Alex Jones. Right. Back in uh, back in I, I think it was two thousand nine. There was some swine flu epidemic, or there was some flu epidemic going around, and it was a nationwide thing. And there was there was media on this, mm -hmm. and Alex Jones. And this is in the middle of me using Alex Jones information and DVDs and uh, conspiracy theory to reinforce Scientology's conspiracy theory from everyone Hubbard so that we could recruit people into the church. This is what sure. I was doing. This is what I was using this information for. And then Alex Jones one day is saying, don't go get vaccinated. Do not get this flu, vac this flu shot. Now, my mom was a pediatric nurse, 
I had all my vaccinations when I was a kid. There was there was zero question about whether I was going to get vaccinated or not, right? My mom just knew the science, and that was just what you did. And so it was never, ever a question for me. I mean, this was fundamentally, you know, how you how you live is you go get vaccinated so you don't get sick. And I had no childhood illnesses. I mean, I had German measles when I was like four, and that was it. No mm-hmm. chicken pox, no wow. mumps, measles, none of that stuff, right? So, uh, so I was, you know, a pretty healthy kid, and I was very much uh, would have said, well, sure, I got vaccinated. So Alex Jones goes on the air and says, don't go do this. And I'm like, what? Are you out of your fucking mind? How do you tell people to not go get protected against the flu, for Christ's sake? And he's going on at a mad rate about FEMA camps and how the government wants to, you know, institute concentration camps in America. And that was just a bridge too far for me. I just, no, no, I, no, I just cannot go with you on this. And that was the turning point for me because once I got critical about that, I could start seeing other problems and it all just fell apart within about a month. I was done, you know, with, wow. with Alex Jones. So that was, but that was the point that got me, you know, was this point of vaccination because I am very intolerant of anyone preaching to go, you know, to their audience or their followers to go do something so overtly destructive or damaging to themselves and to others, you know. So I don't, I, is he still pushing that narrative, do you know? Absolutely, yeah. Alex Jones, big time. Um, Mike Adams on Natural News is sort of another guy who's doing it. There's always a new person cropping up who's. Well, you want to know something? I do. I think I think, my, I, think <laughs> I think Mike Adams is a Scientologist. I have heard that rumor for a lot of years, and I've never been able to completely confirm it. But mm-hmm. he certainly. Uh, he certainly behaves like a Scientologist, and he certainly defends Scientology. So, I mean, yes, and he pushes the he pushes the anti psychiatry narrative mm-hmm. from Scientology. Like he literally endorses the Citizens Commission for Human Rights, which is the Scientology front group whose sole purpose is to eradicate psychiatry from the face of the earth. That is all they do all day, every day, is work on taking down psychiatry. Uh, at L. Ron Hubbard's behest, right? Right. They started back in 1969. Uh, he started that group, right? And so Mike Adams is a proponent of that, and he's buddy buddy with Alex Jones. And then this was just just a couple days ago. I became aware of this, and I looked into it, and I went, "Wait a minute! This is a guy who's been in a Scientology music video." Mike Adams, right? Really? So yeah. So to say he's not a Scientologist is like you gotta. I, I was at first I was like, no way. And then I looked into it. I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, this guy is, he is. And he's directly connected to Alex Jones. And I'm wondering if that might be where Scientology proper, and this is just total, you know, supposition on my part, but maybe that is where the organization got its information and decided, oh, yeah, well, Mike's, you know, a reliable source, so... We're going to be anti-vax and let's tell the celebrities and let's really make a thing out of this, you know? Uh, absolutely. You know, the other question I've always had, if, if it's okay for me to ask you a question. <laughs> no, no, fire away. I, I'm more than happy. 
One of the things that's common about all of these sort of conspiracy theorists, Alex Jones and Mike Adams with Natural News, um, you know, another one is uh, Dr. Joe Mercola in uh, Chicago, um, is that they all have a supplement store on their website. And they sell, I mean, Mercola used to sell tanning beds. And it's just interesting because I know that there's a big supplement push in Scientology. I mean, are those connected? Absolutely. All you had to do was say store, and I was like, yep, there it is. There's always a connection to money. Always. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm not being pessimistic here. I mean, I am, but I'm being real. You know, Scientology is a money-making scam, and it attracts mm-hmm. scammers. Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Justin Thoreau or something. There was some guy who... Uh, was also is also famous for this scamming people, and then he he just got like a magnet, got sucked into Scientology, and he was too much of a scammer even for them. They kicked him out, but uh, but no, they have caught. They're always scamming for uh, multi-level marketing schemes and you know like Amway type stuff, right. and uh, supplements are really really big in Scientology. Uh, they are very very pro vitamin, pro supplements. In fact as a substitute for medicine. Uh, mm-hmm. They will, you know, if you get sick, it's like, hey, chow, you know, you can't get enough vitamin C in your system to, to combat whatever illness you have. Uh, Hubbard actually wrote um, bulletins, wrote, it, wrote, you know, advisories about uh, what vitamins to take and in what balances. Uh, and there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a whole purification program or purification rundown they have whose purpose is to sweat out, it's a detox program, to sweat out toxins. And I've done a whole video on debunking the science of that because uh, uh, toxicologists just look at that and go, are you, you know, what are you guys doing, you know? And, uh, and so I, you know, so I made a video about that. And, um, and that is, and that program includes taking like mega doses, handfuls of vitamins at a shot. Uh, a, D, E, C, B1, B complex, you know, et cetera, and niacin, overloading your body with niacin, all in an effort to, you know, flush toxins out that aren't even there. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it's really, it's very, very criminal enterprise. So, uh, so, the, so the fact that Mike Adams has a supplement store does not surprise me at all because that's, it's about the money. Yeah. yeah. And that's, there's yeah, there's a know, lot of money Paul, to be made in pseudoscience. Yeah, Paul Offit will always tell you if you're not sure whether or not the website you're getting health information for, from is legitimate, look to see if they have a store. Right. <laughs> that will. Right. That's right. Are, are they linking to, or do they have directly some profit motive in the information that they're giving you? Right. Uh, because. If, you know, if there's some product that they're trying to sell you and they're using some pseudoscience to do it, you know, just mm-hmm. guaranteed. What, what now? Where are you guys going with this? Do you think this, are you winning? Are you, are, <laughs> is it, a, is, is, is it, I mean, we obviously have, you know, this is the danger of the, of the majority, I realize. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is the problem the Democrats have too. I mean, not to get all political, but, you know, the majority gets, you know, they're like, well, we don't need to organize. We don't need to fight back against these pesky, you know, minority groups that are that are going against us. Do, is that, you know, do you think that's part of the problem here? What, what do you... 
You know, it's absolutely part of the problem. And it's super tricky for me on my daily work uh, basis because I have to simultaneously convince people that everyone's vaccinating and that they should too. And also that these anti-vaxxers aren't vaccinating and they're really dangerous and they're taking over. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And they both really are true. Um, You know, it's really hard. There are, there are always wins and losses everywhere. And I really like to think of it as on a really personal level. So if everyone looks around them, if you know someone who refuses to get their flu shot because they don't need it or it's full of toxins or it's got nanobots that are going to attack your brain, whatever the reason is, you know, that's a loss. Um, if you're able, you know, I, I spent 10 years before my mother actually got her flu shot just because it kept slipping her mind and it wasn't super important. And then one day she got it and she called me and she said, I got my flu shot. I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so that's a win. I think that's really, that's really how, that's how it works. And, you know, if we can talk a little bit about herd immunity, herd immunity is how many people in your community are immune to diseases, usually through vaccination, so that if someone isn't immune because they're a non-responder or because they can't get vaccinated, they don't have to worry about it because they'll be protected by the herd, the community. Oh, okay. Um, right. And so if we if we think about our, our herd social norming, our little community, the people who are around us, how well... Are, am I doing in making sure people know that immunization is important to me and that herd immunity is important to me? And, and that's really a, an important thing. But, you know, on, on a national level and an international level, you know, on an international level, we're making great strides against measles. Um, the measles death rate is going down precipitously. I think so far this year, there have been less than 20 cases of polio. Um, which is in the whole world, which is amazing. Wow. Um, you know, yeah. Um, and I mean, that's got, nothing. That's literally nothing. 20 yeah, people out is. of 9 billion, you know. Right, yeah. And so, you know, we're working our way toward eradicating polio. And so we're, I, and that's that's a really nice, you know, way of seeing how effective we're being is what's happening with the diseases. Speaking of canaries, an actual canary in the coal mine is always measles because of how contagious it is. Mm. And how high the immunization rate has to be. You have to have 95% of people immunized in a community or immune in a community to prevent a measles outbreak in that community. You know, I'm in Minnesota. In 2017, we saw a pretty nasty measles outbreak in Hennepin County because the immunization rate in one of the communities was as low as only 30% of kids under five being vaccinated with the MMR shot. Um, I live in Ramsey County. There was one case of measles during that outbreak in Ramsey County because that one case was surrounded by people who were vaccinated. And so, you know, when we have outbreaks like that, we have to look at that as what more can we do? What more can we do to reach people to ensure that they're getting vaccinated? You know, we know the MMR is safe. It's got a really, really long history of being safe. We know a lot about it. We have all sorts of data. How can we convince people it's important and that the, that it's worth, you know, the benefits are way outweigh the risks of getting the MMR. And so that's, I mean, I, I know that's sort of a non-answer to your question, but it's really multi-layered. We have successes, we've got failures, we've got ways we need to work. And the more I can convince people to just say, I'm vaccinated and it's important to me, the better we'll do. Well, that's the thing. And I and I I wanted to give a platform to this because I want people out there who are vaccinated to realize that 
it, it, there's a problem here, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's and, and it's very good that it's a small problem. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is not flat Earth theory. People die if this problem isn't mm -hmm. solved. Nobody's dying over flat Earth. Nobody really gives a shit about flat Earth. They're just a bunch of nuts. But right. this kills people, and right. so and and we don't and want usually people... children, right? And we don't. It, you know, it's kind of like. Well, no, I'm not even going to go there. Not even going to touch the gun <laughs> problem right now. Oh well. We just yeah. we just had a mass shooting, and it's on my mind. But I don't that I don't want to you know, get this show off into some other thing. Um, this is science. This is, you know, that we, we know that immunizations work uh, in a broad sense, okay? Mm -hmm. There might be a specific vaccine or a specific immunization that has issues. Fine. Deal with that. But don't take that one thing, or even a couple cases, and broaden that out to, well, it's all bad. Mm -hmm. Well, it's all wrong. Well, there's, a, there's, there's issues with this, and we need to do something about it. Yeah, fine. Go do something about that one thing. But right. don't join up with this group of crazy who are saying don't get vaccinated because that is a danger to all of us as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? No, I agree. And, you know, the, the thing about when, there's, uh, when there is an issue that's real, you have someone mm -hmm. like John Salamon who was supported by science, who were saying, yes, we agree with him. Um, this is real. We should switch from the oral polio vaccine to the inactivated vaccine. Um, he was successful. And he and his son both say, you know, I'm pro-vaccine. I, I still think it was good that people were getting that vaccine because you have to prevent polio. That's when you know that's someone who's really working for the good, even though they're, they're talking about a problem. You know, there are a lot of scientists right now who are talking about problems with the flu vaccine and its effectiveness. And you know that's a real problem because you've got a lot of people ha having real conversations based on real science on you know and they have websites that don't sell things so so you know that that's that's a real thing that we can look at um you know it's not you know that you can have some doubt about it when someone says you know i think my child had x reaction to a vaccine and the science says mm, that's not that doesn't really happen we've had you know so many millions of doses of this given out and we don't see that happening with that vaccine. Yeah. So it's probably not that, um, but they persist in that. And then they, they move on to other vaccines too, but it, you know, and also these ones, and this can happen too. And I believe all of these things. And that's one of the things about, you know, when you're thinking about Scientology and cults and the anti-vaccine movement, that's one of the ways it behaves like a cult is that the answer to did the vaccine cause it in the anti-vaccine movement is always yes. Right. The answer right. to is there a problem with this vaccine in the science community is, I don't know, let's study it. Let's study it again. Let's see if we get that again. Let's look at it again. That's, that's when it's the difference between science and an anti-vaccine answer. Perfect. Very good. They, um, you know, one of the issues I've had with this autism thing is, and I don't pretend to, you know, understand every aspect or, or ramification or, or whatever of, of autism, but I think that's actually kind of the point, is I, I don't think this is a, the, the causes of autism are not particularly nailed, isn't it? Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, I, I always put there's a fantastic New York Times article that came out about three years ago about what are the actual risks of autism, like putting them in perspective. And the the number one risk is having a, a fraternal twin who's autistic. The number two risk is having a, a paternal twin who's autistic. The number three is having a sibling who's autistic. So it looks really genetic. Um, you know, uh, I think that there's a lot of research that needs to get done about autism. And I think that there are a lot of ways that we could better support autistic people so that they can lead the lives they want to lead in our community. And I think the more that we chase around the highly debunked theory that vaccines are the cause of autism, the less time, energy, and bandwidth we have toward nailing down causes nailing down real treatments that make people's lives better and nailing down creating a world that is more friendly to people who are, you know, neurodiverse. Uh, that's, that's sort of where I go with that. And I, I don't know everything about autism either, but I'm certainly open to learning more. And, and I try, and one of the wonderful things about the work I do is I get to come in contact with numerous autistic people. And I really try to let them take the stage when we're talking about autism, because they certainly know much more than I do, or even then, you know, a scientist who's talking about what is autism, you know, it's for them, it's who am I? <laughs> Learn right. who I am. So right. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about using when we're talking about autism, you know, just getting away from the vaccine theory as quickly as we can and using our time and our resources towards making the world and people's lives better as they are. Excellent. All right. I have one last question for you. And, and, uh, and this is the number one thing that gets thrown at me. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure you must be inundated with it or have been in the past at least, which is, mm -hmm. uh, what about that documentary? Vaxxed? <laughs> I mean, come on, it's all there. It's all the proof you need. It's all in there. Come on. Oh. Don't you see? Don't, don't be a sheeple. Like, don't be a sheeple. What what is your response to that documentary? Yeah, I mean it's as much of a documentary as Spinal Tap was a documentary about you know rock bands. Is um, it really that bad? I haven't watched it. I've oh. had it. I've had it linked to me probably twenty times. I have, but watched I but it. I haven't I haven't watched it. So what's what's your what what's like uh, like it's really that off. It's it's terrible. It's based on the theory that the CDC was hiding information uh, that would have show, proven that vaccines cause autism, based on who the, someone they call the CDC whistleblower, uh, William Thompson. So he is a doctor at the CDC. He still is, uh, and he's done a lot of research on vaccines over the years. And for whatever reason, he felt uncomfortable with the way that they configured one study um, that took place in Atlanta, Georgia. And he called Brian Hooker, who is an anti-vaccine person and good friends with, of course, Andrew Wakefield. And so Brian Hooker and Andrew Wakefield got their buddy, uh, Del Bigtree, who had been a producer of the TV show, The Doctors. Um, and they got together and they created a documentary around this theory. The problem with it is that it's based on a, a it's based on a completely false premise. Um, that the the science, according to the way Brian Hooker reconfigured the study that had been done. Again, this is in 2001. The study had been done, and there have been I mean, how many studies since then? 
uh, when Brian Figure redid the numbers, even though he's not an epidemiologist, when he redid the numbers, he said that African-American boys are at higher risk of autism diagnosis if they're diagnosed between the ages of, I think it's something like 18 months and 36 months. Well, when the actual researchers went back and looked at that, they saw that a lot of what was going on is that these kids were unvaccinated. They got an uh, autism diagnosis and then they had to be, they had, they needed special services. And in order to get the special services, they needed to get vaccinated. And so there was a way of controlling for that, which they did. Um, but the vaxxed movie is all about how, see, it's proof vaccines cause autism. They've been hiding it all along. And then it's really, it's kind of a despicable film because it's a lot of people filming their children who are autistic, having difficult times and having meltdowns and saying, see, look, isn't autism terrible? and just showing kids at their very worst moment and sort of, you know, uh, really exploiting that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think that ultimately what Vaxxed is about is it's about Andrew Wakefield uh, trying to make himself relevant. And, you know, I hate to say this, but I think it worked. I think that he has made himself relevant again through this documentary, or I call it a fraudumentary. Um, that <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and and now he's you know he's relevant again and his friends Polly Tommy she's relevant and Del Bigtree now has a career out of this now that he's not producing the doctors anymore so I mean that's that's what it all comes down to money ah uh, uh, all right well I wanted <laughs> I definitely wanted to tackle that one because there is going to be no shortage of people who are going to. Uh, link me to that documentary. Tell me you know, how I need to educate myself. And so I had to bring that up because I wanted to get the debunk on that as well. well you know, they're going to tell you that I'm bought by the CDC too. So. Oh. Oh. Okay. How, and and in, in what way are you supposed to have been bought by the CDC? <laughs> oh, because the Voices for Vaccines fiscal agent, or fiscal sponsor rather, is a place called Task Force for Global Health, which provides free vaccines to countries all over the world to help do things like eradicate measles and rubella. Um, and so Task Force for Global Health is next door to Emory University, which is down the street from the CDC. So even though I'm sitting here in my home in, you know, Minnesota, I'm, you know, just right next door to the CDC and they are, I don't know, doing stuff. <laughs> wow. Clearly you were bought off. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, I've just never seen uh, you know, a mouthpiece uh, for the CDC more than than this. All right. Uh, well, clearly I am biased on this. I mean, obviously I have stated my bias, so I'm not I'm not pretending to be objective about this. But uh, it's the same way that I feel uh, that I'm you know unobjective about the fact that you should drink water. I mean, I really you know it's like it's this is one of those things that is just so. How, how do you not see this, you know, that I, that I'm kind of, uh, it, it's, it's, it's like flat earthers, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time, Karen. I really appreciate talking to you. It was a lot of fun. Okay, good. Uh, and maybe, um, you know, maybe we'll do this again. Uh, you have other advisory board members and, and doctors and all kinds of things connected with your group. I'm very interested in fighting pseudoscience uh, on all mm -hmm. fronts. 
you know, Scientology is just one of, of many. And I, I, I did not realize when we started the show how many dots were going to connect between anti-vax and Scientology. Yeah, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I am, you know, I'm not surprised at all because Scientology is always, always worse than you think. Uh, that is just a mantra that is always proven true. Uh, okay. It's an anonymous mantra. It came out of the protests from 2008. Uh, Scientology, always worse than you think. And no. it has just proven itself over and over and over again. Yeah. It's almost law for me. But this vax thing is important because we need healthy people in the world if we're going to get, you know, anything done. And, um, and so, you know, I want to, I want to contribute to that mo mo yeah. motion. Protect the babies. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Protect all of us. All yeah. right, Karen, thanks a lot. Now, also, where do people uh, find out more right. about this? Where do they reach you, reach uh, resources about this? Right. Well, our, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast, too. Um, Vax Talk is on iTunes and Stitcher and, you know, all the places. And uh, you can find out more about Voices for Vaccines at voicesforvaccines.org, F-O-R, for vaccines. And everything you need is there. The podcast is also at vaxtalk.org. Um, and so that's where you find us. Excellent. Okay. Well, I encourage everybody to check that out. I will put links in the description below on YouTube and at sensiblyspeaking.com. Thanks very much for coming around, folks. If you have any questions, comments, good, bad, or sideways, leave them in the comment section. And uh, I will encourage Karen to check this out when it gets posted on YouTube, so maybe she can respond to some of those comments. Uh, we'll see. I always encourage all my podcast, get, podcast guests to do so. Because uh, sometimes your responses are uh, much better educated than mine, <laughs> uh, and I like to uh, engage with my with my uh, viewers. All right, folks. Talk to you guys later. Bye bye.